0: Bruce, can you give us injury updates on both Max Scherzer and Adolis Garcia and whether you expect either of them for the remainder
1: of the series? Right. Uh, Right now we're going to just evaluate him. Uh, Adolis will get some diagnostics done, see where he's at. Left side tightness, uh, we're being optimistic there, but we'll know more tomorrow. Uh, Same with Max. Max took a pretty good shot on the elbow. That's what we were concerned about, but it was his low back that tightened up on him. He just couldn't go anymore. And same with him. We'll see where he's at the next 24 hours and decide uh, where we're at with him. Well, that was Texas
0: Rangers manager Bruce Bochy last night after his team took a 2-1 lead in the World Series. It was Blair and Barker, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. And Kevin, um, let's leave aside max scherzer for a minute because i'm not entirely certain that we thought we'd see him again anyhow yeah uh, in the world series uh adoli scarcia though uh the initial reaction from anybody who's watched baseball is it sure looked like one of those those oblique injuries that dudes get when they swing and we all know how long those things how long those things take to heal um so, so let's start there i mean you've played the game you've swung at pitches I know you didn't get it. You didn't play. You didn't miss any time because of the injury. But um, what went through your head when you saw his reaction? Because that, that's what i I thought at first was, man, that looks like one of those oblique things.
1: Yeah, I got I to gotta be honest with you. The first thing I thought of was how now do they get Corey Sager pitches to hit. That, uh-huh. That's the, got to be honest with you, that's the very first thing that popped in my mind. Garcia Garcia's ripped. Like, he is a very strong, muscular dude. Occasionally, you just take the wrong swing. You finish the wrong way, and when you don't have a whole ton of body fat... <laughs> Those things tend to happen. You know, I didn't have, I wasn't ripped. I mean, it wasn't a problem with me. I could, I could Not take like big now. daddy hacks and it wouldn't matter. Right? it was, it wasn't a big deal for me. So I, I can't really comment on how that feels or how long it would take. I just know the way he ran to first, the way he walked off the field, the way he was holding it, rubbing it when he was walking down the tunnel, don't look good. And. It'll make you wonder, what do they do now? Because if you're Torrey Lavello and you're over there thinking, okay, we lost. (laughs) But now it might make it a little easier to pitch around their best hitter, which is Corey Mm -hmm. Seager. And, you know, why would you ever pitch to him now? I mean, Marcus Simeon looks like he's a little bit more on time. He looks like he was catching fastballs out front a little bit better. I mean, if he starts catching fire and starts hitting balls the way they'd like him to hit them, that would help. But, Who's hitting third? Who's hitting fourth? That's the big thing now. Is there's absolutely no protection whatsoever to Corey Seager. So, yeah, I think now with you know Game Four with the pitching that the Rangers have, with who they don't have protecting Seager, it's I, this is going to be a tough one, right? I, you know, you you understand the Diamondbacks sort of ran themselves out of the the. I mean, just atrocious base running. I, it's again, it just it is it is amazing. What was worse? What was worse, the base running
0: last night, or here we go, Alfonso Marquez's strike zone? What was worse? Yeah,
1: it's atrocious. I mean, that's little league stuff. It's the mm-hmm. Moreno walk that should have been a walk. The ball's not even close, right? Right? It's it's you're not calling these things from center field, and the expectations for umpires have to be higher. Like it's not good. I mean, I, I'm not for change when it comes to the dude standing behind the catcher. I just think he's a part of baseball and. You know he is sort of the fun back and forth between the catcher, between the pitcher, between the hitter, and you sort of need that, right? What kind of umpire is he? Those kind of things. But boy, when you see it the way you saw it last night, it's yeah, atrocious. It's, I got it. Just I not gotta, good. No,
0: I got to tell you something. And, and you know, looking at the at the um, at the umpire rotation for the World Series. Uh, yeah, and, and and I understand that the umpire scorecard uh, or the ump scorecard or whatever it's called on, on social media, I I mean, look, we've all talked about the issues with um, with the box and how the strike zone's called and the oval, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. <clears throat> but based on the most available public data, and I think in a lot of ways, this probably ought to count for something, it's remarkable how many of the good ball and strike umpires aren't working the World Series? Hmm. Uh, it, and, and, you know, up until the World Series, and I could be wrong, but up and, and I've watched, I've watched basically, I think I've watched, I may have missed one or two innings and in one one or two games in the first round, but I've basically watched every inning. The umpiring in the first couple of rounds was okay. Uh, it's never going to be perfect. It was okay. But it seems as if it's deteriorated as this has gone on. Because there were a couple of calls last night. I, it, I can't even... Saying they weren't even close doesn't do them justice. I mean, I wouldn't have called them a streak. You could have thrown me out there last night, dropped me into the game in the third inning. Right out of my home in Hamilton. Flowing me out there, dropped me down behind the plate, and I wasn't going to call those pitches. I mean, they just weren't
1: – they were obvious. That really kind of concerns me. Yeah, I think we – you're not used to that? Like, I, I don't know how this is – um, No, no, I'm, but, but like,
0: I'm not used to – It's been this way
1: all year, n- watching n- that base, baseball.
0: Not really. Not really. Yeah, this the The balls yeah, and is. strikes in the earlier rounds, there was less dissatisfaction with those – than there is now. Now, maybe that's just because there's only one game going, right? And, and everybody's attention is focused on that. But, I mean, look, it's pretty clear we're working towards some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of appeal process like they had in AAA. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I talked to someone the other day about this, and, and you know, the person said to me, that's, I hate to tell you this, but the appeal process isn't going to make the umpiring any better. Because this point, yeah. is basically, it just means that there are going to be a couple of times a game where the correct call is going to be made. But the rest of the time, it's not like that's going to make the strike yeah, zone I, better. It's I've not. T-
1: I've told you this a bazillion times, and I'll continue to say it. Treat them like they treat the players. When a player is not a good big leaguer, the player's not a big leaguer. Well, how hard is it? Like it's, it's just When not, you're not you know what I'm umpiring behind the plate, there's not that many. Okay. Well, get more, pay more. Like have it's not a matter better.
0: of pay. It's, it's just not. There's just not. There's just not that many. There aren't that many people who are umpires. Like you couldn't. I understand what you're saying. If you're not good, you go down to AAA. And and you know what? And in, in European soccer, in England, for example, if you blow a call, you're sent down. You you don't work that weekend. You go down to the next the you next level. you think Alfonso Marquez champion.
1: is afraid of screwing up? I mean, there's there's no repercussions for how bad he is, or you know, when he yeah. was walking off the field last night, you think all oh, them buddies got together and went, "Hey, nice job! Way, way to go!" Yeah, it's I think it's just the the optics of it's not how many they miss, it's when they miss them that that's the big that's deal, yes. and how yes. many and and yeah. how many excuses we continue to make for them. Oh, they throw hard and the ball moves a lot. Ah, well, it's not like you just started doing it yesterday that that that's the thing right and i, I just don't know how you fix it I, I don't know if more replays is the answer but you gotta figure right if moreno gets on base that could be different like the bullpen Absolutely. for the Rangers is not good it's just no, not it's, good what so what, yeah if i'm a diamondbacks fan i'm not real happy about that no what what's what what stuck out to me about this, and and
0: you know there was an interesting there was an interesting uh, commentary about this on social media about the value of makeup calls. We all know they exist. If an umpire misses, absolutely, a call, we all know we all
1: know makeup calls exist. Umpire called a strike on me because I I was wearing a big number. I'm not right. going to tell you the umpire's name, but, but it, I can guess. Facts.
0: You know it's games like this. Those blown calls have a they have a measurable effect on the game. I mean they, they they really do. Uh and and it just seems you know, the the game has done so much right this year. And and maybe this is kind of where we're going. This could be part of Rob Manfred's plan, too. You know. Things are pretty good with the game right now. And and this yeah. really stands out. This really stands out. And it's you know, it's entirely it's pl- possible that you you may end up seeing <laughs> You may end up seeing some sort of uh, some sort of an uh, of an adjustment his, made, and maybe we do go to the challenge system. His plan I'm not was, in favor of it, but
1: his plan was to put stinky umpires behind the plate in the World Series. I guess it could. no. What
0: no no no. <laughs> what I'm saying is by putting the pitch clock in and gradually making these changes, like you you've you've kind of eliminated all the things that people didn't like about baseball. You're gradually eliminating them. It takes too long, blah, 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 such or such or such. And now there's one thing, there's Mm -hmm. one glaring thing standing out that people don't like about it. Yeah. And that's the umpiring. And someone pointed out to me, this is years ago when they were talking about the CBA. Um, Well, actually it was Rob when he, before he was commissioner talking about how you negotiate, you know, he said, "You, you don't try to take, you don't, try to take a big chunk out of an issue you try to take a little chunk out of this issue a little chunk out of this issue a little chunk out of this issue then the next cba comes along you try to take another little and, and eventually you work your way towards it so yeah listen i, I don't think there's any doubt that it, i i would say this i would say in two years i don't know about next year but i think in two years the way the games are umpired is good it's going to look completely different whether it's an automated balls and strikes system or mm. which i think is where we're going to go or be, you know i just i don't i don't know if i like the idea of the challenge system because again that doesn't make that that doesn't if if an umpire blows seven pitches in a game chances are the challenge system isn't going to rectify that so uh let's talk about the game last night the base running christian walker um you're right it was atrocious. Marcus Semyon got a big hit. But I want to talk about John Gray because our friend Jean-Paul Morosi yesterday came on and said he could foresee a situation where John Gray would be called on last night. Now, he did come in for Max Scherzer uh, after Max's back tightened up, I guess, after he took the ball off the elbow as well. Andrew Heaney is going to start for the Rangers tonight. The Diamondbacks are going to go with the bullpen game. Joe Um John Gray when we look back at this series like that wasn't Nathan Yuvaldi going 6 innings in that 18 inning game for the Red Sox no. but that was a that was an important outing for John Gray wasn't it
1: yeah sure it was i mean they were winning too right i mean it was he had a little uptick in velocity. Glove side command was really good with the with the slider, and his misses were good. I think that's what you have to do this, this time of the year is you have to be really good with your misses, with your secondary stuff. The finish has to be really good. I just like that he was supposed to be today's starter, and they mm-hmm. stuck him in the pen, and there was some unknowns there. And we talk about routines all the time with both sides of the ball. And for a dude to be sitting down there, I didn't think he was going to get in the game, right? Max was cruising. And then Max... Being Max, you know, went out there and threw a couple of pitches because he's a bazillion years old. I mean, he really does act like he's seventy. I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> he like did, he, no, he He does, really yes. does act no, that way, does. right? Yes. You would never think he's thirty-nine, making fifty million dollars a year. Like you just, you would never think that. So, yeah, I mean, just to see John come out and actually be able to throw strikes, control the heart rate, uh, be able to command glove side the way he did do it with some energy, do it with some vinegar, do it with some control. Uh, you know, they could have sure used him today because now they're trying to piece this thing together. But game three is really important, right? Mm-hmm. And, again, there, there's, some, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some unknowns today about how they can work through this thing. And Andrew Haney, how long are they sticking with that? And, you know, I guess get, I get back to that Seager thing, how would you ever pitch to him if you're Torrey Lavella? Like, ever. Like, if his first at bat, ever. Like, you throw four fastballs – Three feet off the plate, and let the the blind guy standing behind the catcher make up his mind one way or the other way he wants to call that a ball or strike or not. I just, I mean, you you could never handle because of Adolis Garcia now not being in the game, and who knows going forward when he will be back, and even if he's back. How good will he be? I mean, that's a big deal, right? I mean, you're using your midsection so much as when you're taking those big daddy hacks and as strong as you are. So I just don't know if he'd even be worth anything when he did get back. Mm. But if you're Tory and you lost this series because you pitched to Corey Seeger when you don't have well, to.
2: I wanted to ask you that. This
0: makes but, no sense. I wanted to ask you that. Now, Brent, Brent Strom goes out. They have the conversation. You get a first pitch change up. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, well, first of all, we know that Corey Seager loves him some first pitches. We also know Corey Seager does not mind when he threw him a first pitch changeup. I mean, the number, I think he's hit nine home runs on first pitch changes this year. He's a good hitter. He, 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 I'll tell you what, this he's yeah, he's every time I watch Corey Seager, he, he goes up and up and up in my in my estimation. Did you have a did you have a problem with that approach, though? The no, first I mean, pitch was trying, change was it just? He, lo-
1: it was location, wasn't it? Absolute, more than anything else, absolutely. Yeah. It was a BP heater when it's elevated like that, right? And yeah. uh, when Corey Seager can add length to his swing on all types of pitches, right? It's really any quadrant, any pitch. If I have length to my swing and I'm balanced and on time, which he is, right? He's short and quick. The hands are close to his body. And all he's thinking about is adding length. Like, I want the barrel in the zone as long as I can possibly keep it in the zone, which allows him to hit a mistake change up OO or a plethora of any other kind of pitches they throw to him. So, yeah, again, if you're Tory, I mean, you've lost game three but you may have won the series because the dude hitting behind Corey Seager's not in the game anymore. Like, you know, you're not, are you afraid of Evan Carter? I mean, Evan Carter's good, but he ain't Garcia. Are you afraid of Mitch Garver? I mean, he ain't Garcia. Are you afraid of Robbie Grossman? Or I mean, Jankowski's probably not going to be hitting in the top of the order, but those three first guys that I mentioned, are you afraid of them dudes? I could accept getting beat by one of them three but I can't be ex- except yeah. getting beat by Corey Seeger. So Do it's you, even more important that Marcus Simeon gets hot if you're a Rangers fan. I was going to
0: say, if you are the Rangers, now I'm looking at, 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 you know, Travis Jankowski or Robbie Grossman would, as you say, would likely be the fill. I mean, they're not going to replace Garcia. Do you take Evan Carter and, and put him, put him behind Seeger? uh, I don't know Mitch Garver. I'm trying to think of what I would do if I was Bosch. I'm trying to trying to think of what Well, I, I got a couple
1: would... of lefties in the pen. Mantiply is throwing today. He's a lefty. You're going right. to have back-to-back so would, lefties yeah. like yeah. yeah, I don't the Evan Carter thing is an interesting thing, right? Cuz now you have to you have to have a three-hole hitter and a cleanup hitter, right? And you're right. trying to get right. Corey Seager as many you know, competitive at bats to where he's actually thinking he's going to swing at something when he walks to the plate. And I just don't know who that name is, right? This is a bigger deal than what they don't have in the pen. Like it, you what. And this would you, puts would more you consider, pressure on Marcus Simeon. Would you consider moving Josh Young up?
0: I mean, I. I mean, we're talking to it. It's it, neither of them are Adolis. I, I, I guess the question is, it's the old question for a manager, right? Do you completely blow up your lineup to address one one issue, or do you leave it the way it is and just, I don't know, put put one guy in there, put Robbie Grossman in there. I I I I don't know what you do. Uh, I I you're clearly you're not going to be able to replace uh, Adolis Garcia, um, and then of course. You know, this gets to your point. It's a bullpen game. If you get into the whole lefty righty thing, does it doesn't matter in a bullpen game? You're probably going to
1: see, you're going to see a little bit of yeah. of each, right? Yeah, I would think the obvious guy would be Mitch Garver. Like they would probably move him around. He's had success. He can hit the homer. You know, he's good against lefties. He sort of, you know, breaks up the lefty righty mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. to where. You know, Torrey Lavello can't bring in a lefty. He's facing back-to-back lefties. It makes it a little easier for that, you know, three batter rule thing. So, yeah. I, I would think he would make a little sense. Robbie Grossman, because, you know, he can hit from both sides of the plate would make a little bit of sense, too. But, again, if you're Tory, like, uh, there, it's, not a, it's not a question. Like, it's – I can handle being beaten by one of those two dudes, but not – the best left-handed hitter in the playoffs. I just I can't allow it, that to happen. So I mean, they've given you a hall, they've given you a hall pass now to walk him. Like you don't even. I mean, it, who who would get mad at Tory Lavello if you're a D-backs fan? If if in his first at bat you walk him, nobody. Mm-hmm. Like you just you don't even have to tell dudes to be careful to him. Just walk him. So yeah, that that's going to be an intriguing thing here going forward because. You know, I just don't know with the pitching and and the bullpen and, you know, who they don't have. If they can win the World Series, I know they're up 2-1. Can they win it without Corey Seager getting the bats that they need him to get? It's an, it's an intriguing thing. It's an interesting thing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, – your point is well made. We've talked about the Game 3 being so important in a best-of-seven series. And it is, and it's always good to win it. I'm not certain it's a great thing to win it when you lose. Again, I don't know what I expected from Max Scherzer. I I don't know about you. Did
1: you think we'd see him again in
0: the series after Uh, making the start? I'll tell you this
1: right now. With the way John Gray looked, he ain't throwing again for me. I mean, you're looking at probably completely. game. You're looking at game seven. Jordan Montgomery, I think, will throw game six. That there is a game seven. Yeah. It ain't Max for me. It's John Gray. I it's mean, John Gray just gives you a better chance of emptying the tank. He's got better stuff. You're trying to stuff people to death, right? That's what you do this time of the year. And John Gray with that 98, and he's locating at glove side, and he's got the really good secondary stuff. And he, you know, just the, the slow heartbeat, and it looked like mechanically he was there. And with Max. <laughs> It's yeah. just, I mean, I just never thought you would see future Hall of Famers look the way they look. I know Max was working through this thing, but I mean, I, I listen, listen I, it just looked like it was, it was about to go. Like you could just tell yes. when he got hit in the elbow and, and then it's just when he's warm. but Every time he warm up, you just don't want to watch him if you're a Rangers fan because you just think he's not going to warm up long. Like, I mean, I just, just, I, what's going on?
0: You know I, know, I mean, it's the old story, man. You know who's undefeated? Father Time is undefeated. Sometimes it just yeah. catches up. To I you. mean, he ain't fifty nine; he's thirty
1: nine.
0: A lot of innings, I, a lot, of,
1: lot he of, hadn't Pitched a lot, lot of this miles. year. He's been hurt most of the year. Still you would got think, got if of... anything, he'd be fresh and rare and nah. ready to go. But now he's got back spasms. I mean, I get back spasms, and I'm almost
2: fifty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, no, much? I listen. I, I tend I to know. think the fact. I tend to think the fact that. Uh, you know the. I mean, who knows? He had a shoulder strain. Who knows how he compensated for it or overcompensated for Stuff it. Stuff looked good. Didn't look back. good
1: to you. Looked good to me. I mean, slider yeah, I was I, the best. That sliders looked a wow.
0: I was going to say right. that looked like mid-season slider, but I didn't. I'm with you watching it. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the catastrophe to happen because you know it's going to happen at some point. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, John Gray, uh, looking back, that's a. Uh, yeah. That that's a uh, and and credit. You know credit Boach for for pivoting the way he did, too. We've talked about him and how he handles the bullpen. Credit him for pivoting that way.
1: Well, he didn't have a choice, right? It's not, it's not Martin Perez. It's where they're at in the order, right? It was, who was it? Gabby Moreno was coming up, right? He's right-handed. That's sort of the righty pocket to where you need a righty in there. You know, Dane he's probably not the guy. You're trying to stuff him to death, right? And, yeah. And, you know, John Gray's got better stuff than... The other dudes that they got in the pen. It is really unbelievable that a a World Series team has the just the all over the place bullpen that the Rangers have. Like, it's just all over the place. And <laughs> this is what I said getting back to that Corey Seager thing, man. It's and, and if you're they not, score first, right, the record's not to know when they score first. And he is a lot of a lot of the reasons why that is that the record's not to know. Just, I mean, sort of you've eliminated him now. And well, what's just going to be intriguing. Uh,
0: you're not enjoying the Jose
1: Leclerc experience. I mean, it's it's sort of like the Jordan Romano experience. Boy, is me, it I ever! I gotta be honest with you. It truly is. It is like you just have no idea. Is this gonna work? And I'm sure Bosch is the same way. Like, boy, I know who I gotta go to. I'm not sure I always wanna go to it, but I know I have to. And part because... of me wonders.
0: Part of me wonders if Boch doesn't look at that and think back to remember those days when I was in San Diego and I had Trevor Hoffman or I was oh. in San Francisco and I had who, did, who was his closer then? It was a Rob, whoever it was. And I had all these guys. And here comes Jose Leclerc. I, it's a high wire act, but I'll say this for the guy. He 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 is he doesn't know how bad he is, which is a good thing. It's always right. a good thing when you don't realize how horse bleep you are.
1: Right keep going getting, out there and just getting outs. That's all. You're playing the hot hand. This is what it's all about, Absolutely. right? It's, it gets back to the Blue Jays at the end of the season when you're texting people and you're asking, do you have a closer? And it's bold types as matchups. Like <laughs> It's sort of the same kind of way, right? You're going with the hottest <laughs> hand. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get it sort of to the eighth inning with an out. Because he'll give you five mm-hmm. outs, right? So, at least they're going to try to give him oh, the he's, ball he's, and he's, – yeah, so yeah, he's not going to turn can, down the
0: opportunity. Absolutely not. No, he'll, no. he'll, he'll get you five votes if you need. If you need him to, to pitch for you in the worst way, he will pitch for you in the worst way. Do we have There's time to, to touch it. on the base running? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I know you want to touch on it. We just touched on well, it a little bit with Christian. No, Rocker, it's easy.
1: Like, I mean, it, this just gets back to knowing what's going on around you and knowing when the ball's hit because of what the scoreboard tells you. You don't need your third base coach, right? The third base coach and and. and uh, Tony uh, Perez Chica uh, did, didn't need him. Like, he, first of all, he's way too far down the line. Like, mm-hmm. there's nobody out. Where are you going? Like, yeah. why are you almost in the dugout? You you don't need to be down there because you're chain right. You're trying to get that runner going as fast as you can, and you want to run up to him and yell and scream at him to tell him to stop because it's hit to the right fielder who throws yeah. out everybody. And if you watch the base runner, the base runner had to shuffle, shuffle, stop to make yes. sure the ball landed, and then took off running. So it's just – it's almost like two wrongs didn't make a right there, right? Yeah. It's If I'm base running because I stopped and because of what the scoreboard said and because of who it was hit to and because of what the situation would would have been, I don't need the third base coach. And then the mm-hmm. third base coach was sort of nowhere to be found, and he was waving him. like, And then he made up his mind too long – too late. It's just like –
2: yeah, I it, just it don't.
1: Was... I, and, it, and, and then, and Christian's coming out saying he wanted to put his head down to to cut the corners sharper. You're a big leaguer. You're not a. You're not a little league player trying to figure out how to run the bases to where you have to run with your eyes on the ground to make sure you cut corners. It's just it is truly amazing to watch and listen to these guys try and explain situations when it comes to the base running, it will just, it befuddles me. I It's just almost like when you're the third base coach, when a dude is stand at second and there's nobody out, it's almost like you have to yell out there and go, come to third, stop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's really that simple. And just to see him not be able to do it in a, in a world series, when, when scoring first, is the biggest deal. And then what happens the next half inning? Basically game over. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the kind of thing. So, yeah, it's frustrating to watch sometimes. Uh, you are listening to
0: Blair and Barker. A reminder, if you're listening to us via podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review. We will be on the air live on Sportsnet 590, the fan from 11 to noon Eastern through until Friday We'll take a couple of weeks off to recharge the batteries, and then we'll be putting out a weekly podcast, uh, as we did last year. And uh, of course, anytime there's any breaking news, we will address it via podcast as well. And uh, we will, uh, I, I one of the things I want to do this year is I want to have a podcast where we do nothing but answer listener questions using the back leg line. So I'll uh, send out a notification on social media as to when that is, and you all can call up and you can ask us anything you want we may if we have time today take a tour of the back leg line a little later as always the numbers 416-413-3959 but at this moment let's step away and come back with caleb joseph who is part of our major league baseball central coverage during the playoffs caleb joseph's next it's blair and barker on sportsnet 590 the fan
2: Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, Caleb Joseph joins us in a few minutes to uh, break down game three. Look ahead, most importantly, to game four tonight, 8 o'clock on Sportsnet as the Rays and Diamondbacks uh, continue the World Series game 4 the Rangers what did I say Rays and Diamondbacks Rangers and Diamondbacks continue the World Series game 4 from Arizona it's been a while since we've mentioned rays isn't it 416 413 3959 is the back leg line let's uh let, let's uh Kevin let's get a sampling of what folks are thinking about ahead of ahead of Caleb Joseph Andrew from Halifax
2: Hey, guys. Love you guys. Uh, Andrew here from Halifax. Just had a quick question. I mean, uh, Barker, you're always talking about uh, getting backspin, backspin on ball, saying, you know, get it down, get it, and saying, you know, get the backspin on. I just want to know, what do you mean by backspin? I mean, I've watched baseball for a bunch of years, and, I mean, I I I never played, but what do you mean by backspin? Does it get you a farther ball if you hit it? Like, I I thought it would be more anything topspin, but what do you mean by backspin? Does Does it get you... Does it get you where you want to go, if I could say? Love you guys. Thanks.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, that's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good question. Look, I, I was always taught because I had a down and through swing, right? I, I didn't come up in the air of, you know, dropping the back elbow, getting the, the barrel in the hitting zone way behind your body and keeping it in as long as you can and having an uppercut swing, trying to get it out of the infield in the air. I was trying to hit the bottom part of the baseball and get to a big finish, right? I always say that. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You look at dudes that hit homers, it's almost like they're throwing it off of your barrel the bottom part of the baseball to sort of throw it in the stands to wherever that thing's going to end up whether it's right center, left left center, left field line, right field line so yeah, that's whenever I talk about creating backspin it is thinking bottom part of the baseball and sort of when it leaves, creating that backward spin of the ball to where it would go you know, in the air and go a little bit further than where you actually wanted it to go, right? It's just trying to add length. It's trying to get the ball to go further. And for you to be able to do that, it just needs to create a little bit of that with with not only where you're trying to hit the ball, but to how big your finish is trying to get to. Hope I yeah, explained that good enough.
0: Yeah, no, and, and I think more than anything else, it's, you always want to put backspin on the ball. Most of the time you do. It's just that I think you're, what you're saying is the way guys are going about doing it now is a little different than the way it used to be.
1: Yeah. That's why. Well, why do you think a lot of pitchers combat that with the elevated fastball? Like it's, you know, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing that with Marcus Simeon. He don't like it. He's right-handed hitter. You know, they have trouble because of guys on the ball that are down. It's easier because of gravity to basically just let the barrel fall down. It's harder mechanically to be, athletic enough to be, you know, good with your rotation and keep that barrel level enough to be able to get it on plane and, and hit the ball up. So, yeah, there's m- multiple parts of that strike zone you have to cover nowadays because of how hard they throw and where they can throw it. Let's go to Mike and Victoria. I think he has a question about Vladdy.
2: Hi, Mike and Victoria here. Um, with, you know, just wanted to ask an honest-to-goodness baseball question. Um uh, Vladdy, say, for instance, he has a bounce-back season next year, 40-plus home runs, 100-plus RBIs, um, you know, 300-plus batting average. He's looking good. He's looking like an MVP. He's threatening the Triple Crown. All that's good stuff. Now, do the Blue Jays sign him to 10 years, you know, at $300 million or whatever, or do they trade him? Uh, And if they trade him, do you see Vladdy as a Red Sox? Because I can see Vladdy, you know, getting balls rifled to him by Raphael Devers, one of his best friends, um, and enjoying putting down the Yankees from, you know, Fenway Park and drilling them over the monster, you know, multiple times a week. Um, But do you think the Blue Jays would sign him, given his track record? You know, if he has a good year and it's looking great, but given that that would mean only two good years really out of six, you know, is that tempting or has he become more of a trade option? But anyways, thanks very much for your uh, show. You guys did great today. I'm looking forward to the world series with the Arizona diamondbacks. We got as many blue Jays there as we could. We got two on one side and one on the other. And (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for doing a great show. And I look forward to next.
0: Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the Vladdy long-term contract boat. I think that left a couple of years ago. Uh, at this point, Vladdy's going to have to do me a solid and cut me a uh, hometown discount to get a not big happen contract. Me. It's not happening. Not so. A chance. My sense is you just go, you just let this play out. You got another year to think about man. it. Um, I, you know, <laughs> man. It, We've talked about how, how difficult, how much work this lineup has to do, Kevin. You know, there's mm-hmm. a chance that at the trade deadline next year. I don't even want to go there, but I mean, there's a chance that it, it, you're going you might have to make some serious decisions at the trade deadline yeah, next don't, year. Don't because that's the cart when the for clock the horse
1: here. here. Yeah, be crazy. That's,
0: that's that's I think when it really, when you really start to uh, you really start to wonder about the future. Uh, listen to me, the, I, I mean I can't say this any other way. Uh, I got to find out whether I can sign Bo for another five, six, seven years, eight years, nine years. I've got to find that out before I do anything. Because to me, he's the guy that deserves the long-term contract. Yeah, not me. I know...
1: Not, not, me, not me. Right, right, right. Now you got to worry about getting cleanup hitters, and I mean, you got good enough pitching. Your defense is good enough. Like you can compete in the American League East now. Can you win it? Who knows? I mean, it's a crapshoot. How good the Yankees and the Red Sox be next yeah, year? I don't know if you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you need I don't, to, you need to add some bats. I mean, we're already talking about it. they just signed Bo. I mean, we're already talking about it, giving him another seven years, and well, you know, no, look, you're gonna, you're gonna, for, for you're me, gonna.
0: At- You're at some point, Kevin, at some point again, you're you're not going to let here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me finish. You're not going to let Bo's contract run out and then try to sign him. That doesn't work. If his contract runs out, he's gone. So with the last year of that extension, which is the last year that kicks in, that's when you have the conversation with Bo. That's when you have the conversation with Bo. I I need to know if he if he can if he's going to sign long term before I approach Vladdy. I you're. Right now, mm. giving me the choice of those two guys, I'm taking him. I'm taking him. I know.
1: Yeah, he's, again, I, You just you just said play it out. I think I think you're you're you need to play this out too. I mean, if they don't win for the next couple of years, a lot of things are going to change. That, well, that's who's running the team, and yeah, I mean, we're already talking about re-signing players. That have already re and I mean, Vladdy needs for me anyway that they need a, a hitting coach. They need a cleanup hitter for protection, and he needs to make a minor mechanical tweak. If if they can do those three things, then it may look a little differently. And, I mean, we're already talking about – and trading him to the Red Sox, they're not not going to do that in division. It's not going to happen. No, and, no, Vladdy. I don't – listen, Vladdy.
0: I think, will probably finish out his pre-free agent years here, and then he'll leave someplace else as a free agent. I – don't necessarily see this organization trading, Vladi, because I don't think there's a great deal of pressure to do it. But I, I think you're mm-hmm. missing the point about the, the extensions to guys. You don't wait until the guys are free agents to talk to them about signing a big contract because they're gone. I mean, the history shows you that with this team. If you want to keep a guy around for another six or seven years, you got to talk to him while he's under contract to you you don't sit down with Bo and say okay now that now that you're a free agent let's talk about your long term uh future with this team it's not how it works you're going to have to do it in the final yep. year of that contract some yeah, some
1: would say I, some some would say I could get swept in the playoffs without either one of
0: them no well,
1: it's bringing some, Caleb some Joseph. would say that
0: Caleb, thanks so much for joining uh, joining us on Blair and Barker today. Um, we're not going to. We just we were just had a couple of callers ask us about Vladdy and Bo. I don't want to go down that road. I want to talk about the World <laughs> Series with you. Um, huh. You know, Kevin and I were. I I don't want to spend the whole time talking about the umpiring either because it is what it is. But I kind of pointed out to Kevin, and maybe I'm wrong. I know you've watched as many games as I have. I thought the I thought the umpiring. Was actually pretty good through the playoffs until this series, and maybe it's just because it's the World Series and it's more under the microscope. But man, it, it almost seems as if they've it almost it almost seems as if they've put together a crew for this World Series, Caleb, of dudes who have difficulty with the strike zone.
3: <laughs> you would think, right? I I agree. I, looking back at the first couple rounds, I feel like the umpiring has been in incredibly fair and of course there's been a pitch here and there but I haven't had too much to gripe about until really like you said this world series and especially yesterday's game with Alfonso Marquez and he's generally very very tight and I've had him multiple times and you're probably not going to have a good score as a catcher behind the plate with Alfonso Marquez back there because you're going to be set up on one side of the plate the pitcher's going to miss on the other side of the plate. You're going to do a pretty good job of presenting the pitch there, but because he doesn't hit you right in the chest, Alfonso might not give it. And I turned to Brad Say yesterday on uh, the pitch to Gabby Moreno that probably should have mm. been a walk in the ninth inning, mm. and I said, I guarantee you the, the robo-ump crowd is going to go crazy after that call right there. You just never know. It might have swung the inning. It might have put a little bit of pressure on LeClerc. Uh, but overall, I do agree that the umpiring has been has been pretty fair this entire postseason.
1: Okay, now, Corey Seager obviously has been really good in this playoffs. But Adoles Garcia hitting behind Corey Seager is a big deal, right? You can't pitch around Corey because Garcia hitting balls to the moon consistently. Uh, now with no Garcia... I, take me inside Corey Seager. You, you play with some really good players. You play with some players who get pitched around. If you're Corey Seager, how do you attack those at-bats? Do you still be aggressive? Do you expand? How do you go about those?
3: Yeah, I think he's just going to keep doing what he's doing. He is probably the number one first ball best hitter in the big leagues, if that makes any sense. A guy that does unbelievable damage on first pitches in the count. My last check before yesterday's game was a 4, like 30 clip on the batting average on first pitches. The, The reason he can be as aggressive as he can is because he has the really innate ability to be super aggressive early, have power early, but also know the strike zone so well that he doesn't chase. I just don't think that's part of his game, even though he's going to know that he needs to probably do a little bit more because of Garcia being out, I just feel like his game plan is suited so well that it it might not matter who's behind him. I I just don't know if he's going to actually get anything to hit. If I was a Diamondbacks, he'd be the number one guy that I'm trying not to beat me, and I don't care. I'll walk him every single time before I get in, which is what surprised me in yesterday's game is Brandon Fott, who's been pretty spectacular this entire uh, postseason, he throws him a first pitch changeup out of like 74 batters in the postseason. He's only thrown three changeups first pitch. It's probably his fourth best pitch. He tries to throw Seager a first pitch changeup. He pulls it and it acts just like a little hanging dead fish fastball. And Seager absolutely pounced on it. But his ability to swing early and often and not chase. Is just part of who he is. I don't see him chasing uh, now that Garcia's behind him. Okay, not if you're if, him.
1: you're if you're a catcher and it's a bullpen day, guys out of the bullpen, you know Torrey's probably going to try and match up. They got a couple lefties to do starting as a lefty and multiply. Like you know, the, they're geared up not to pitch around people. Like you, you attack them. Like you're coming out of the pen, you got good stuff. You're usually facing the other team's better hitters. How do you do that as a catcher and a pitcher to basically say if you miss make sure you miss like you know don't be lollipopping this thing in here mm-hmm. Who, whose job is it to make sure that doesn't happen
3: yeah it's all it's all three involved it's the catcher the pitcher the pitching coach and one thing that i learned pretty quickly uh, when i got to the big leagues as a catcher was when you want to pitch around a guy most people they immediately think to throw their best off-speed pitch And That's not necessarily the case. When you're trying to pitch around the guy, you want to ask that pitcher to throw his best control pitch. The pitch he has the most control with, and then you set up two or three inches outside, or if you're trying to go up, you give him an exaggerated target up. But so many times, catchers and pitchers, they, they fall into the trap of just thinking, okay, I'm going to pitch around this guy. I'm going to throw him four straight sliders. and Maybe they don't have a ton of location with that slider and that's when you end up hanging it and that's when they get you so it's all about throwing your best location pitch and it might be a fastball that's fine set up four inches outside see if he's going to chase if that hitter chases three or four inches outside and still does damage there's not really much you can do but you really want to make sure that he has the control of that pitch and not just kind of his nastiest wipeout pitch
0: I was thinking about the decisions that Bruce Bocci has to make today, assuming Adolis Garcia can't play today. Uh, it's a bullpen day, so you know you're going to get some lefties, you're going to get some righties. Uh, you know that that uh, Torii Lavello has got all sorts of options in his bullpen. Uh, how do you, if you were Bruce Bocci, who would you be thinking? Who would you be thinking of right now as your top, as your top four? How do you, how do you protect? Corey Seager, or how do you limit the tactical uh, options the other manager has against Corey Seager? Who, who do you put behind him? Uh, you know, Kevin and I've thrown around names. I mean, Mitch Garver. Uh, you know, Robbie Grossman's a name that, that uh, a couple of people have come up. with. Yeah. I don't know if you'd put Evan Carter there. Uh, is, is there somebody you would think of as going as maybe being able to quote unquote fill in for Garcia? Yeah,
3: that's a really good question. I Initially, I I think Grossman is kind of the piece of the puzzle that might allow you to maneuver some stuff around. If I'm Bochy, I'm thinking about possibly moving Carter down behind him because he doesn't chase, because he's got high bat-to-ball skills.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then you could possibly put Grossman up there uh, in that kind of two holes where, where – um, Seager likes to go and start to kind of shift some guys around. Uh, the problem with Grossman is he just hasn't played a lot. And he did not look fantastic when he was called upon against Houston. And it just happens when you've got pretty regular abs, and then you go into a playoff run and you're not really playing that much. There's some question marks there. You're just not used to the timing and it throws everything off. Maybe Nathaniel Lowe because he's not, He's not going to chase very much, but there's a lot of strike and strike, uh, swing and miss there. And mm-hmm. if I'm a catcher, I, I kind of want to face low before Seeger because I know there's whiff there. This is a problem. This is a big deal for the Rangers, and it, it really makes that win last night super important. Imagine if they lost, and now they have to try and come back without Garcia. Huge W mm-hmm. for the Rangers yesterday, but I I would not be surprised even if they put – Mitch Garver back there, the threat of power, that's what you're always looking for as a catcher is when you're trying to maneuver a lineup and you're going to pitch around one guy, you're always worried about the threat of power behind it. Um, you're not as concerned with with contact. You're, you're more worried about the power so that a, a, a leadoff walk or just a walk in any sort of instance then could turn into a two-run homer or let's say Simeon gets a base hit. You're really not trying to give up the two-run homer to Seeger. You might pitch around them. Now you've got first and second. Even if there's two outs, the threat of power now is a three-run homer. And you saw the three-run homer in the playoffs is just the absolute dagger. I mean, it's the dagger. Yesterday it was a two-run homer that ended up being the dagger. But the threat of power always scared me from trying to pitch around somebody. So I could see where they might try and go on base to continue the line moving. I could also see where they could put a Garver back there or Nathaniel Lowe back there to try and uh, – Try and scare them into into that power threat.
1: CJ, it's a bit. This is a big uh, big picture question. You, you you look on both sides of the ball. There's some young guys, right? Corbin Carroll, Gabby Moreno, obviously talked about Evan Carter. And you know, you've been around some really good players. Been around some good players. who have been in some playoff games. Anything the young guys can learn from this? I know experience. You, that's all the things, right? Just routines and trying to slow the heart rate down. You, you the only way you do that's to actually go through it. But you know, is there Something that you've learned from watching younger players that you played with that take little things that only they can get from being in this big moments that's made them better players down the road.
3: Yeah, every player's going to talk about it. The ability to kind of slow the game down and be in the moment. And I just remember being a first-year player in the playoffs and the Major League game happens so quickly. It happens fast. Things start to go way faster than the minor leagues. Everybody says the biggest jump in, in, in baseball is from you know A ball to double A, and it couldn't be further from the truth. The, the difference between triple A and the big leagues is absolutely massive, and then the difference between regular season baseball and playoff baseball is just another step in itself that everybody is giving 100% effort that the at-bats seem to take one second you can't even remember sometimes what pitch sequences you just had just being able to consistently play in that environment allows you to really concentrate and think the way you would think during a regular season game to go back and think about those sequences and how you approached it and what you were thinking and how he was trying to get you out because the game starts to really speed up and you can blink and play two innings in the playoffs and you're right back on the on-deck circle not even remembering man did he start me off with the curveball or was it a fastball way i can't even remember like it just happens so fast and especially as a catcher like Moreno he's got a lot going on i mean he has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders to kind of call the game every single pitch in the big leagues is magnified times 5 in the playoffs because that one pitch could be the one pitch that not only loses you a game but loses you a trophy a world series championship mm-hmm. trophy so There's a lot going on, especially at the catcher position. Being able to be in it longer and more and more reps allows you just to really try and pull that game down to about 1,000 RPMs versus 5,000 RPMs. And then you can start to really navigate and play that chess game uh, offensively. And I feel like all these rookies have done so well. I've been incredibly impressed with all of them and their ability to produce in these big spots. We talked to Evan Longoria yesterday and he said he just he he doesn't have any recollection of of his first World Series 15 years ago with the Tampa Rays. He said he couldn't couldn't remember any of it because it just did not go so well. It all happened so quickly and so fast. And I've just been so impressed with the guys you mentioned, Carter, Moreno, the, their ability to produce in these spots.
0: Caleb, thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. Be well.
1: Thanks, buddy. You got it.
0: Take care. Take See, care. Later. See you later. All right. That is Caleb Joseph, Blue Jay Central, analyst on SportsNet. He and Brad Faye, of course, will be hosting Game Four of the World Series tonight from Arizona. That's it for us. We'll be back to more from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan. As always, you can listen to us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Have a great day.